You are listening to an audio recording from the ministry of Jefferson Town Bible Church in Jefferson Town, Kentucky, where we gather to proclaim God's Word. For more information, please visit jtownbible.org. Okay, Ephesians, Philippians chapter 3 is where we're going today. We're going to look at a couple more of the emphasis on walking in the will of God, peripateo, and uh, my, my apparatus is not functioning here for some reason. It is on. Walk according to scriptural norms. That's Philippians 3, 12 through 16. Specifically, we get into verse uh, 16, and Paul states, Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. That, that word rule, walk, let us walk by the same rule, is talking about norms. Let's unpack this word a little bit for you. The word translated in the New King James Version, rule, um, comes from uh, the Greek word, it was, the form of it here is canony, it's from canon. So you've heard the expression, the canon of Scripture, uh, that which is determined to be correct, which is considered to be accurate as far as the, the books that actually are the inspired uh, books of the Bible. So it's the word canon, uh, and so that's the Greek form of it, and it has the following nuances of meaning. In a literal sense, it is speaking of a straight rod, and building for a measuring rod. So like you have a, a, a measuring stick or a tape measure, you use that to measure to get things straight. Uh, you've heard the phrase, measure twice, cut once, usually that works, um, and in weight, it's often used in reference to scales, to have accurate weight. And so when we step on a set of scales, we trust that those scales are fairly accurate. I believe that the scales at our house are more accurate than the scales that are at the doctor's office. I know this because when I go to the doctor's office, I'm always five pounds heavier that's not right. Yes, and so it's a common experience for us, isn't it? Of course, when I weigh myself at home, I don't have on the amount of apparel that I do in the doctor's office. <laughs> so I'm sure that's factored in there as well. But scales are there to tell us fairly accurately what our weight is. We count on that. That's the norm. And it has figurative use as well, as many words do. Um, and so when it's used in a figurative sense, um, it's taking the same concept, but using it in, in uh, a little bit more abstract way. So it becomes, it's a reference for that which is the norm or the ideal. Uh, what is the norm by which we operate? In, in the field of law, it is uh, the binding ideal, what everyone agrees to in any system of law. In philosophy, Epicurus, 
used it as the basis to know what is true and false. So there was a standard there that, that he argued uh, was the basis for determining what is true and false. Uh, you can't have everybody having their own determination about what is true and false. Conanes uh, uh, are criteria of truth and value. So that's, that's the extra-biblical uses of this word. There are other uses that were spoken of, but this gets us to where we want to be. So canony is a rule to which Paul refers, the ru- or rule which Paul refers is conformity to Christ. We know that from the context. If you go back uh, just a couple of verses prior to verse uh, 12, uh, he says uh, in verse 11, if by any means I may attain to, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So Paul was wanting to be conformed, uh, well, let's pick it up in verse 9, and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul wasn't in doubt about that. But he's saying, this is my aim, this is my goal as I move forward, that I may be conformed to the death of Christ. And so that's the thought that Paul has as he moves into this section. And, and when he talks about being conformed to the death of Christ, he's talking about what the death of Christ addressed. Christ entered the realm of death because he bore our sins. He bore humanity's sin in his body. And he entered the realm of death to overcome it. If he would have entered the realm of death and remained there, then that would have demonstrated that sin was a greater power than God's righteousness. But by bearing our sins in his body, dying in our place, actual death, he entered into the realm of death and in his righteousness and holiness and in his life by very nature of who he is he rose from the dead he overcame the power of sin uh, the power of death which is sin so he overcame sin and so what Paul is saying here is I want to be conformed to his death he's not talking about being crucified he's not talking about having his body so battered and bruised and beaten that he's conformed to the death of Christ in that sense. But in a greater sense, in a more significant sense, he is talking about uh, being conformed to what his death was all about, which was death to sin and overcoming sin. Paul's great desire now as a believer is to overcome sin, to have his life fully conformed to what that death of Christ was all about. So Paul, just like every other believer in that day and today, wrestled with what we wrestle with, which is uh, that sinful nature which is still present with us. We are alive in Christ, we have a new nature, and that is more powerful than the sinful nature. But that sinful nature, those sinful desires and those sinful inclinations are still present within us. Paul dealt with those too. He spoke to those so, so effectively and powerfully, for instance, in Romans chapter 6, 
in Romans chapter 7. Do not let sin have dominion in your body. We can do that because of who we are in Christ. So Paul wants to be conformed to the death of Christ. He wants to be conformed to Christ and live his life in victory over sin. Live his life not only in victory over sin, but in the pursuit of the righteousness that we possess in Jesus Christ to live it out. So we now move into verse 12. And he says, not that I have already attained. He says, I'm not there yet. None of us are. Or I'm already perfected. He says, that hasn't happened. And Paul knows it will not happen until he actually is in the presence of Christ. So he knows that throughout his entire lifetime, he's not going to reach that point of being perfected. But that's his direction. That's his goal. He doesn't say, he doesn't communicate the attitude or the thinking that, hey, I'm not going to be perfected. So I'm just going to do the best I can. I'm going to tolerate some sin in my life. Because, hey, it's not going to happen this side of heaven. So as long as I do pretty good on the sin front and maybe just have a few, allow for a few sins, because, hey, that's, we still battle that, right? Then, then that's fine. No, Paul's whole point in this was to be conformed to the death of Christ, which is overcoming sin, putting sin to death, as he states in other letters, and that was his whole direction. And to live out that life. So there's the negative side of it, meaning uh, what he will not do, he will not be caving to sin, he will not allow sin or excuse sin in his life. He will deal with it. But on the positive side, he's going to be pursuing the life that we possess in Christ Jesus. He says, I haven't attained, I'm not perfected, but this I do. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me and all of us. The apostleship to which Paul was called was not, is not, that which Paul is referring to here. He's talking about Christ laying hold of him, Christ laying hold of each of us to be fully delivered from sin and fully alive and living in the righteousness of Christ Jesus. He says, that's why Christ has laid hold of me. That's why Christ has laid hold of all of us. And I press on toward that goal realizing that I'm failing along the way, but I will not make excuses for my sin, for my failure in sin. I will deal with it. And so you see the attitude there. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. He said, I, I haven't apprehended that end yet. I'm, I'm, that's where I'm going, but I haven't apprehended it. Pause for a quick Michigan basketball illustration. Because um, that's, that's the only team I know about. All right? So this would probably be true on other teams too. But Michigan has a, a freshman on their team that was a highly rated basketball player, the top basketball player in the state of Michigan last year, coming out of high school. He has seen very few minutes 
on the court, but he's on the team. And uh, in a recent uh, interview with both Coach Beeline and this player, he says, I'm just taking baby steps in learning how to play on this team. The defensive schemes, the offensive schemes, he said, I am not there yet. He hasn't attained that goal yet, but he's pressing on toward it. He's taking the baby steps. He's not making excuses for why he is not seeing more minutes on the floor. He's acknowledging that he hasn't attained to the level of, of skill that he needs to and the level of understanding that he needs to to get on the court for more minutes during a game. But his goal is still there. He's on the team. And he is, his goal is to master the system so that he can contribute more, so that he can have more minutes on the court during the game. So that continues to be what he presses for. And as he not only learns, but recognizes his shortcomings, recognizes his lack of skill, recognizes his failures, he doesn't make excuses for it. He acknowledges it and seeks to correct it and move on toward that goal. And the same with us as, as uh, believers. Our goal is to be fully conformed to Christ. If that wasn't your goal, if you didn't realize that that is God's goal for each of us, now you do. To be co fully conformed to Christ. And if you say, well, I'm not quite sure what that means. Well, that's why God has given us his word. In God's word are the answers is the fleshing out of what it means to be conformed to Jesus Christ. But that's God's goal for each one of us. We're on his team by faith in Jesus Christ. We're all on the team of Christ. And the more we grow in God's word, the more we grow, quote, in the skills of being a believer. And we're getting closer to that goal. God is getting us closer to that goal, actually. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. These are the norms that he's referring to as you get to verse 16. These are the norms by which we are to live. Our goal to be fully conformed to the death of Christ and all that that means, to recognize that we're not perfected, but that is our goal to maturity, to the completion. Perfected here means the complete conformity to the image of Christ. So when it says perfected here, that's the, that's the emphasis of that word. Complete conformity to the person of Christ in our lives. And he says, so I press on toward that end, toward that goal, realizing that I haven't apprehended it yet, but he says, in the process, here's what we do. And this is so practical for every last one of us, no matter what our age is. I forget those things that are behind. In other words, I don't hang them over my head, either by way of criticism or by way of patting myself on the back. What has happened has happened. 
And if, in, in any sin that I've committed, that God has dealt with me on, that has confronted me with, I don't continue to hang it over my life and let it restrict me and keep me from moving forward. I've dealt with it in Christ. And God has dealt with me on that. On the other hand, the accomplishments that I've had in Christ, I don't focus on those and get impressed with myself. I forget those things. It doesn't matter what direction it's coming from, failure or accomplishment. He says, I don't focus on that which has already occurred. I keep my focus on Christ and moving in that direction. And I know that there's going to be sin that God will continue to confront me on in my life. And I know that as I yield to Christ that there is going to be growth, that there is going to be accomplishment, that I'm not going to let myself be impressed with myself. I'm going to forget those things that are behind and I'm going to be reaching forward to those things which are yet ahead. Now that's a wonderful norm. That's a very liberating norm, right? Do you have some things in your life that, you know, if, if you thought about it, failures, sin, sin failures in your life that you could let hang over your life and just keep you down and depressed and discouraged? Do you have some things that you've accomplished that perhaps you could become proud about? We've got to leave those things behind and continue to reach forward to the things that, that God has ahead for us that moves us in that direction of greater conformity to Jesus Christ. So he said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what we all are called to do. Mutually pressing toward that goal of the up, upward call of God in Christ Jesus, which is that full conformity of Christ. Because guess what? When we are called up, by God in the presence of Christ, guess what's going to be a reality? <laughs> Full conformity to Jesus Christ. Awesome. So he says, I press. I press. And that, that word there is an intense word. I press. I press. I keep going. It's like an athlete that's conditioning and maybe he's running up the steps in the stadium and yesterday he ran up and down 10 times, but today he says, I'm going to go 11, even though I was physically spent by the time I did the 10th round. Today I'm going to push and do 11. I'm going to keep pressing and pressing to get myself in better condition. And for the believer, we keep pressing toward this end and toward this goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Any thoughts or comments before we move on? Or observations. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, and here it is um, talking about uh, mature in the sense of, of applying the truth of God's word, have this mind or have this thinking. Think this way. This is the normative way we are to be thinking. And if any of you think otherwise, God reveal, will reveal even this to you. If our thinking is wrong in regard to these things, or, or it's a little bit incorrect, perhaps a lot incorrect, Paul says, I have total confidence in God in his word that he'll correct. But keep pressing toward that end. 
Nevertheless, to the degree that you have already attained understanding and knowledge of God's purposes and God's call for us as believers, let us walk by the same rule. Let us walk by this norm. So this is the norm that we're all to walk by. This is to govern all of our lives, and we are to mutually encourage one another in this process. It, it's great when you have a team of people encouraging you to attain a goal. You see that on um, sports teams. You also see that in the military, where they, especially in, in, in boot camp, where they are... Uh, encouraging one another to attain a goal and there will be the other soldiers around encouraging a soldier to finish a course. Or if they're in, in ranger school and they have particular um, physical requirements that they have to attain through various um, courses that they have to get through physically, the others who have completed the course will be there cheering the other soldiers on to, that they can do it, that they can complete. They have a team of people that are encouraging them to attain that goal. That's what it is for us to believe. We need to be encouragers of one another in this direction. We don't want to excuse sin, but if someone is just letting failure in their past hang over their head, it's like, listen, if you've dealt with it, if you've confessed it, and you, you truly have made it right with God, Move on. Move on. Nor do we let ourselves rest on our laurels of past accomplishments. We keep moving on. That is the norm. That is the rule by which we are to pursue that conformity to Christ and all that that means. So that's the first of the two. There you go. The second, there we go. Walk after godly examples. So now Paul uh, transitions into look at others who are living life by this norm, this rule. So that you can see how God is working it out in the lives of others. You have hands-on Examples. That's what he's talking about in verses 17 through 21. So let's track through that. Brethren, join in following my example. Now that is, that is a pretty awesome statement. And some, you know, do you feel comfortable in saying, join me in following my example and following Christ? Would you feel comfortable saying that? Would you? Who would? So I, I, I take by the non-response that nobody would. <laughs> and yet, that's what Paul says. Because he was so sincere and genuine about following Christ. He wasn't talking about his life being perfect. It wasn't. But he knew his heart. He knew his passion. He knew his pursuit. He knew his desire to be conformed to Christ. And he says, follow, join me. Join in following me. Join in my example. He's not saying be just like me, but 
embrace the example of having this as the priority. Join me in this. Let's, let's move down this path together. And note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. So he says, it's not just me. <laughs> this isn't for the super saints. This, this is the norm for every believer, is what Paul is saying. This isn't for those who have attained a, a certain level of, quote, spirituality, whatever that means. He's saying this is the norm for every believer. Join us in this pursuit. Look at our example of how we pursue this. And, and then take note of, of others who have this same passion, this same priority in their lives. And you have a pattern to follow. You have, you have a people that you can actually look at and say, this is what it looks like. And I can be around them and among them and I can join them and together we can move in this direction. Now verse 18, For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. So we're talking about people here who on some level profess Christianity. And yet Paul's talking about them as enemies of the cross of Christ in this context. And he says, I've often told you about this. So this, this is not an unusual phenomenon in the first century among believers, and it certainly isn't an unusual phenomenon among believers in the 21st century. Those who on some level identify with or profess Christ or Christianity and yet their life does not reflect this norm at all. Their life is not about Christ and pursuing conformity to Christ. It's about them. It's about their desires as expressed in their sinful nature, in their flesh. And so Paul says in verse 19, whose end is destruction whose God is really their belly. What, what do you think he means when he says, whose God is really their belly? What's that? Yes, seeking, yes. seeking their own pleasures to please themselves. So that when you allow the... Uh, it's using a, a, a very relatable analogy here. Whose God is their belly? It's, it, you know, do you have a, you ever have a desire that you want something in particular to eat, and you make it happen? <laughs> and but then if that becomes uh, a practice to where that whatever you want, you don't deny yourself. That's what governs you. And so he's saying it's whatever they desire. As, as the passions and desires of their sinful nature. That's what they pursue who's, and whose glory is in their shame. What they, their, their life is, uh, has shameful uh, characteristics about it and they glory in it. Now he doesn't get specific as to what that is, but it certainly isn't uh, that which honors Christ or is conformed to him who set their mind on what? Earthly things. Their mind is their thinking. They're always thinking about earthly related matters. Now, as believers, we live in this world, and so on some level we have to engage with and think about earthly matters. 
I mean, we have to eat, so we've got to buy food, got to make food, got to produce food. We've got to have food somehow. And we have to have a place to, to, to live, to stay. I mean, there's a number of earthly things that we just have to interact with because that's part of living life in this world, and that's fine. But those who don't have as their norm the pursuit of Christ and being conformed to him and to his likeness, their thinking is on earthly things. They're always thinking about what's going on and what they can achieve and how they can satisfy themselves in the context of this present world system. That's where their thinking is at. It's not on Christ. So they're, they're, they're thinking, is consumed with that. So by contrast, Paul says, our citizenship is where? In heaven. That's the truth. That's reality. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's where Christ is. And so Paul says, that's the direction of our thinking, is Christ, where he is, who he is, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior. So when he's talking about heaven, he's talking about uh, Christ. Heaven is, is a place, and it's a real place. That's where Christ is, at the right hand of the Father. But he says, that's our focus. Our focus is on Christ and his return, and we eagerly anticipate his return. We wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're, we're not concerned about the world ending in 12 years. It might end a lot sooner than that. I mean, just follow the potential of what the scriptures reveal if Christ returned today and caught the church up to himself, the body of Christ, we would be present with him. All true believers would be absent from this world. Sometime subsequent to the gathering of the church or the rapture as it is often called, the gathering up of the church, sometime subsequent to that. So today, if the rapture happens and we're present with the Lord, sometime subsequent to today. The Antichrist, the person who is, the scriptures talk about as the Antichrist, will be able to, to uh, be recognized and put in the place that, that uh, God says he will be in, and then he will sign a peace covenant with Israel and the nations, and, uh, and that will begin the final 70th week of Daniel, a seven-year period of time. So let's, let's just hypothesize be hypothetical here a little bit. The church is caught up today and, to, and, and we're, we meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And then a year from now, the Antichrist is able to step into that place and be recognized as this marvelous new leader and uh, he initiates his leadership by doing what no one else has been able to do, bring Israel and, his, and their enemies to the table, and they sign an actual peace agreement. 
And so that then ensues seven years of tribulation. And so if we following our, our theoretical situation here, that's eight years. That's four years before 12. <laughs> you know what I'm getting at there. <laughs> In other words, our thinking is not focused on what men focus on, whether it's 12 years and the earth will be destroyed, we'll have to live on the moon, or some other scenario. Because our thinking is rooted in the word of God, if we're in the word of God and embrace the word of God. So Paul says our citizenship is in heaven. We're citizens here, but it's, it's a limited citizenship. Citizenship in heaven is permanent and greater. And we await our Lord Jesus Christ from heaven. He is our Savior. And what will he do? Verse 21, who will transform our lowly body. So no matter how impressed any of us may be with our current body, and it would tend to be that the younger you are or we are, the more we are impressed with our, our body. The older we get, the harder we work to try to stay impressed with our body. <laughs> or at least to have other people impressed by our appearance. But these bodies are going to be transform our lowly bodies that it may be what? Conformed. Conformed to his glorious body. We have no idea what that glorious body is as far as hands-on, you know, being able to really have a grasp on what the transformed, glorious body that we're going to possess is actually going to be like other than it's the Lord Jesus Christ and his uh, glorified body, glorified state. And we have glimpses of that in the Gospels and early in Acts. But these bodies are going to be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. This is our norm. And Paul says, join us, not just join me, but join us as we pursue this end. Continually moving in that direction of conformity to Christ and not getting hung up along the way. Forgetting the things that are behind and pursuing ceaselessly this great goal of being conformed to Christ. And ultimately, that is going to happen. When he returns, our Savior returns from heaven, gathers us to himself, and we're, and, and we're fully conformed to him in every way on every level. So this is the norm. And so if you need to reorient your thinking a little bit this morning, let God's word in these exhortations reorient, begin to reorient your thinking. This is what life is all about for us as believers. This is our norm. The pursuit of conformity to Christ. Any thoughts before we dismiss for break? Yeah, Kevin. Mm -hmm. My concern when I see these women is, are those men like, what are 
Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Yes. It's too easy to get distracted, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely they were. Been to Philippi, have seen the, the ruins there and a little bit of taste of what, uh, what were distractions for them. But yes, the first century believers had their fair share of distractions too. But you... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. And you're absolutely right. The focus needs to be on, on God's word. That's that's where our thinking is is shaped. Any other thoughts or observations? All right. Let's pray, and then we'll enjoy a break. Father, we thank you today for uh, the blessing of being able to focus on this portion of your word and the encouragement and the exhortation and the challenge to us to pursue this norm of conformity to Christ and the practical exhortations that are built around that. Lord, help us to encourage one another in this walk and in this direction. And Father, help us to build into one another's lives with the truths of your word and Father, to be that encouragement to one another by genuinely pursuing this end and this goal that you have for us and encouraging others uh, to walk along with us in this pursuit. And Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been an audio recording from the ministry of Jefferson Town Bible Church in Jefferson Town, Kentucky where we gather to proclaim God's word. For more information, please visit jtownbible.org.